0: Let's pray. Father, give us hearts to receive your holy, infallible, eternal word, particularly that which you have clearly stated by your Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul that we may understand more fully this present evil, broken world in which we live and experience our own brokenness. So that in that brokenness we would sense A joy, a joy unspeakable and filled with glory because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Save, Father, souls in this room to the uttermost. In Jesus' name. Amen. A San Francisco evangelical church is now officially saying homosexual activity is okay in gay marriages, but not for single gays. End quote. That, that's just one of many headlines and types of articles that I have been reading since June when the Supreme Court of the United States of America forced upon the country the redefinition of marriage legally. This is the second sermon in the series titled, The Bible and so-called same-sex marriage. It is a series on why the Church of Jesus Christ must stand and never cave in to the culture of rebellion against God. The culture of rebellion against the Lord Jesus Christ, against the Gospel that is disguised As same-sex marriage. And again, my plea, if you have not heard the first sermon, I beg you to, because this is like coming in on a three-hour movie, an hour in. This is one sermon, divided up into three parts. In my plea is that everything I have said and will say be heard in the context of my introduction to the series last week where I got personal. That none of this comes out of any disgust for homosexual activity and therefore I don't like it because I'm a heterosexual. It comes from a person who hates With in the name of Jesus, or just in the name of culture and pride, hates bigotry against homosexual persons. It comes from a person who has had for three decades close, intimate male friends who have lived parts of their lives as homosexuals in their activity and still struggle with same-sex attraction and I love them deeply and they love me. It comes from a person who is a man and a pastor who's able to say at the funeral of his own gay cousin who died of AIDS because he's one man speaking to another to the surviving boyfriend and mean it from the heart, I am deeply sorry for the loss that you're experiencing. So just keep that context there. But I must approach the only Gospel that says as honestly and as with clear readings of text as I possibly can. And so, Last week, let me just summarize and then we'll move on. We saw last week that God ordained marriage. God created marriage. He created first males and then females. And He created sexual relations and activity to be expressed in marriage. Defined as between one man and one woman woman in order to placard the greatest mystery in the universe. In order to point to the purpose and the reason that anything or anybody was created. To point to Jesus Christ, the husband, the masculine, the male, the savior, the leader. To the bride, the church, the recipient, the submissive, the adoring. That's why marriage exists. And that's the context of why it is impossible to exaggerate how seriously the New Testament takes sexual sin. Having sexual intimacy, relationships with any other human being to whom one is not married to in the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman is, by its definition, sin. Let me just say that same thing more clearly it is an expression of rebellion against God. It dishonors marriage. And it dishonors human sexuality in marriage. It's what we saw last week from Hebrews 13.4 where the Holy Spirit says let marriage be held in honor among everybody and let Sex in marriage be undefiled because God will judge... Now watch, he's pointing here outside of the marriage. Because God will judge single people who have sexual relations and the adulteress. This issue of sexual immorality which includes homosexuality is not an in-church issue upon which Christians can agree to disagree. Like over what kind of music we should have in church or what kind of church government we should use or whether we believe in the continuation of spiritual gifts or have they ceased. This is a doctrine of God issue like the Holy Trinity. There are at least eight lists in the New Testament that list the kinds of lifestyles that are characteristic of those persons who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And sexual immorality is included in every one of them. Stuff like impurity, fornication, orgies, adultery, and those who practice homosexuality. Those who live such lifestyles, Paul says, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we cannot, no matter what the culture or what the government's laws say, we cannot be indifferent to this issue of same-sex behavior and so-called same-sex marriage. So as you will be observing more and more in the months and the years to come, local churches, pastors, church leaders and denominations approving and sanctioning same-sex sexual behavior in monogamous so-called marriages, you are to know they are becoming a mean of providing false assurance of salvation that will lead to a shocking judgment day for many and an entrance into eternal damnation. That's why this issue is huge. It's non-negotiable. Sex outside of the covenant of marriage Whether it's between two 23-year-old heterosexuals, boyfriend and girlfriend. Whether it is with a heterosexual person committing adultery. Or whether it is any homosexual activity. Even with... A paper in hand from the county that declares it legally to be marriage. It is, by its definition, sin. It is a manifestation of the fall of the human race into sin. All of these acts are a desecration of the glory of God by perverting the picture, perverting the parable of the Gospel of the marriage of Jesus Christ to the church. Sexual immorality, whether it is heterosexual immorality or homosexual immorality, It is a parable of rebellion against God. And that's where we are going today, to see it. The fall of mankind happened, and thus everything is broken. Every human being in this room is broken to one extent or another, is twisted. And all of that brokenness and twistedness in all of our lives, including our sexualities, is the judgment of God upon the human race. This is the Christian worldview. This is why there is arrogance in the world. This is why there is blasphemy and idolatry and murder and adultery and men and women who have their sexual inclinations all messed up. We're broken. This is why same-sex attraction within a percentage of human beings exists because of sin and thus God's judgment upon humankind. And this is why the Bible is clear that all same-sex sexual activity is commanded against in the Bible. I'm going to view the taste of the relevant text in the Bible. In Leviticus 18.22, we read from the law, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20.13 If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the fornicator, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And in first Timothy one, eight to eleven, Paul writes Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless. In disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching in accordance with the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. But where I want to spend our time and concentrate our thoughts this morning is in Romans chapter 1. So would you please turn there. I'm just going to pick up, instead of 18, I'm going to pick up in verse 22. Paul writes, and this is about all humanity here. It's the human race as a result of the fall of our Father Adam. And claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped, Serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Books have already been written and more will be written to tell you stuff like this. What Paul's really coming about uh, against here in Romans is not against true homosexuals or gay men or lesbians. He's coming against those whose natural sexual inclination is really for the opposite sex and therefore when they practice such things that's what Paul is really coming against many 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 more books will be coming out, available in your local Christian book stores to argue that the church of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years has been misinterpreting these few Text concerning the issue of homosexuality. We've all missed it until they have now enlightened us. But no wonder. It's happened with every central doctrine. There's books all over to tell you that the traditional view of the atonement, no, that, that's off. It's not what it really means. There are books to tell you an eternal hell doesn't exist. They're out there. There are books to tell you that the exclusivity of Jesus Christ is the only way to God. The churches miss that one too. There are books, numerous books, and this is a precursor to what we're seeing here, To tell you all these things that seem to have been clear concerning the differences between men and women, the male and the female, and their particular roles in life. Old-fashioned doesn't work in our culture. We need to reinterpret the Bible. They're all out there. And so you will now be seeing more and more on the issue of homosexuality in the name of professing Christians. Trust me. My task this morning here in Romans 1 is to go straight at verses 23 to 28 slowly so that we can hear Paul's clear meaning. Paul's point here, it is so crystal clear that he repeats it in different words three times. Let me just give you the summary and the gist first and then we'll work through it. In Romans 1 here, Paul is saying, human beings have exchanged the beauty and the goodness and the glory of the only immortal God. And he said, no, thank you! I will prefer the things you've created over you. That is the core of all sin. And then Paul says, because of that, God didn't remain passive. He acted in judgment. He handed over, in His judgment, fallen humanity to say, you got it. Go for it! And I'll let that sin and desire in the creature run its course. And thus, every single one of us born of man except Jesus are broken and we in differing ways and in this text he's going to use exhibit A and so what he's going to say is the judgment of God upon sin which shows up First, before action in our desires causes humanity to take those desires and to bodily demonstrate them in their sexual activity as a dramatization of the internal spiritual condition of rebellion against God. It's sane. And don't, don't, don't miss it. Two young single people in love having sex. Whether as secular people or those who say, I love Jesus. They are at that moment saying, I prefer the creature to God. And every homosexual act is saying and demonstrating, The creature is better than God. So let's go see if I'm right. Let's follow Paul's flow of thought. Slowly, beginning with verses 23 and 24. And They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for something else. For images resembling mortal man birds and animals and reptiles which leads to verse 24 see the first word therefore as a result of that god acted god's the subject and the verb Gave over is an active voice. He is very involved and active here. Therefore, God gave them over or gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves god's response god's action was to hand humanity over now that verb which he's going to use three times here in this romans context three times all god is the actor all three times. Is the same word Paul used in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5. Remember, the man living in sexual immorality. He is flabbergasted at the arrogance of the church for not kicking him out because he's unrepentant. And Paul says, this is what you do. When I'm together with you, you hand him over. You deliver him over to Satan. It's the exact same word. God here said. Paul says, He, he delivers over to those sinful desires. Now, why did God do that? It says, God acted in handing humanity over to their God-denying desires. This idea, I'm independent, I'm going to go my way. And He says, you got it. And, and But He's not done. He says, in order that those desires would lead them into dishonoring their bodies. See that? To the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So, in response to the sin of, I don't think you're so great. These things you made, they are great. In response to that sin, God acts. God wills that their sin run its course as a part of their judgment. And particularly that they would end up dishonoring their bodies in their sexual desires and activity among themselves. Now, why did God bring judgment? Like that. Why did He do it? Well, the first reason why is given in the next verse. Verse 25. Because. This is why. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Now you notice, right, that's just a repeat of verse 23 in different words. Verse 23, they exchanged the glory of God for images. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The truth of God is that He's glorious. That he is the essence of true happiness for the subject that would come to him. He is the object of eternal joy and nothing else. That's the truth that they exchange. So the lie is the creature preferred the, the creation instead of the creator and so that's why God delivers them up to that judgment and they dramatize it in their lives and so now in verse 26 Paul then again draws a conclusion from that for this reason for what he just said now about rejecting the truth of God, going for the lie, for this reason, and here comes that verb again, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And that's a repeat of what we just saw in verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lust, of their hearts to impurity. And so, just follow. I mean, what are the dishonorable passions which clearly are here? The lust of the heart to impurity. Okay, what are these, Paul? You don't need to guess. You just need to keep reading. The answers right there, verse 26b in 27 for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and the men or males likewise gave up the natural sexual relations with Women or females and were consumed with passion for one another. That is, men committing shameless, meaning indecent, inappropriate acts with men and receiving in themselves, that activity is what it is, the due penalty of their error. And that's what Paul means when he said the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Paul is saying very clearly that homosexual behavior is a dishonoring of the human body. Now notice, therefore, what we've seen so far. How clear Paul is in saying that the brokenness of sin in the human race and then especially exhibit A homosexuality but not only homosexuality we're going to see this in the context but he's using exhibit A because you want to see human sexuality to its brokenness or something like that. He says, this is it. And Paul will not allow, because God will not allow. But look at me. Okay, there's a God, whatever. I do my thing. I commit heterosexual immorality as much as I want. I hate and murder, cheat. I will live a homosexual lifestyle, and I'm thumbing my nose at God. And God says, No, you're not. Not in that way. Your activity is my judgment upon you, I am not, not in control. But notice therefore how clear he is in saying that all of our brokenness of sin, yes, he uses this one example of homosexuality at this point, but it is a judgment of God for our exchanging the truth about God, for who He is. how glorious he is for a lie." And he says, "I will demonstrate the depravity of choosing images that a male Will be so broken from sin in their desire factory that they will say, I prefer an image of maleness in my sexuality or femaleness for the female. It is God's judgment. And then, in verse 28, He says it again. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, here's the verb again, third time, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. He gave them up to a debased or a depraved if you were to think of what does he mean here? Of a mind that is so in tune like Adam before the fall with the only immortal The only Creator. The One who is right and just and perfect and holy. And a mind is in tune with that? Okay. And then when sin comes, the mind falls. It becomes more and more depraved. More and more distant. Okay. That's what he means by this word. Depraved. Solo. So you see the flow here. From verses 23 and 25, Paul says... They exchange the glory of God for images. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. And now in verse 28, they don't want God in their knowledge anymore. And then he draws the conclusion again in verse 28b. God acted. God delivered them over, gave them up to a debased, corrupt, perverted mind in order to do that which ought not to be done. And that's just a short statement of what He has already said in verses 24, and 26, and 27. God gave them up to dishonoring passions. He gave them up to inappropriate homosexual activity. He gave them up so that they would do what ought not to be done. Romans one is clear. Homosexual behavior, by definition, is a dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. It is the result of a debased or depraved mind to do. What ought not to be done. So now I'm just wondering, do you do you see something that's really big there though? Do you see a big picture that Paul is laying out here? And I hope whether your inclinations are homosexual or heterosexual, you will feel it very personally. He's saying the root of all of our brokenness, whether it is our sexual desires, our social interaction and brokenness, Physical disease, genetic inclinations to cancer, birth defects, emotional problems. It is all the manifestation of the human race exchanging the glory of God for other things. Do you see it yet? He's only using homosexuality as exhibit A, but (laughs) there are a thousand others. He's saying we were all made to enjoy and to reflect the glory of God as human beings, but our sin and our sin nature into which we were all born, naturally thus as sinners feels about this idea of god is glorious no 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 he's not to me and therefore as god's judgment everything in humanity and in the universe has gone haywire we all every one of us have disorders that are headed for destruction without a savior and paul is saying that these sinful disorders are meant by god to be seen as a drama displaying our underlying spiritual, quiet at times, rebellion against Him. I just hope you feel it. Because see, that is why, no matter what the temporal causes of homosexual desires, And I think there are all kinds of differing things that may have come into each individual person who struggles with that. We don't have all the answers temporally, but whether it's it's mommy, or whether it's no dad in the home, or whether it's the society around you, which is going to be a problem in this society and in the Western world because of culture, or whether it's genetic. It, it, It doesn't matter on one level. I mean, that matters in the sense of people can get help, but it doesn't matter ultimately if you're listening and hearing this text because Paul's point still stands. There are persons with same-sex attraction disorder precisely because of God's judgment on sin in the human race. But they're just One. don't ever sit and say <laughs> and, and wait I'll, I yeah, I better make this clarification paul is not saying as you sit next to a homosexual person by that i mean that person who that's where their sexual desires go whether they're practicing it or not he is not saying <laughs> that's because they're a worse sinner than you heterosexual that's not his point any more than his point is, you see that baby born with that mental disorder or without legs? That's because that baby deserved that more than you. Are you following me here? It is. Sickness and disease exist. Brokenness in, in everything in all of it. Sinfulness exists because the one human race it's fallen, and God's judgment is upon it. Okay. Now, notice what Paul goes on to say. Verses 29 and 30. He lays out 21 more examples. He could keep going, but he just stopped at 21. They were filled with all manner, as God's judgment, of unrighteousness, evil, Covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. So, not just same-sex attracted individuals or those who are even practicing homosexuality. But all of us, male, female, heterosexual, young, old, religious, secular, all of us are profoundly messed up because of our innate sinfulness and the effects of God's judgment. Upon us as the children of Adam. Let me just, okay, let me talk to you men, 14 years old and up. This is why our male sexuality, assuming it's even heterosexual, is so constant and driving and, and visual and impersonal and such a trial and why in our day and age pornography is such a problem with men in particular because of the internet and access and everything it's why that marketing agencies sell every product imaginable that they're selling to men and they do it with women and with bodies because it works Because we're fallen. Because we are messed up. It is why any of the brokenness of our humanity and our sexuality is what it is. It's because the root of all of that brokenness is that the human race has exchanged the beauty, the goodness, and the glory of God for lies, for images, for substitutes. And therefore, God has delivered us over to bear the fruit of that horrific exchange. And all of our, as human beings, sinful brokenness that is lived out, they are more powerful than Shakespearean plays. They are dramatizations. With the reporters standing in the steps of the Supreme Court last June waiting for the verdict and they get it from the inside and it comes outside, it is part of the drama of God's Judgment. But this is the God who, from Genesis 3, in the garden, put in action salvation. There's one coming, born of a woman who's going to crush Satan's head. And thus, in this fallen world into which the Savior, the eternal God, the Son, has come, our Lord Jesus Christ, yet Himself without the brokenness of this sin and this sin nature is redeeming for Himself a people for His own possession. Now this dramatization is calling for all people everywhere to repent and to trust in the only Savior from such judgment, which is only a picture in this world of the eternal judgment to come. So, whether it's murders, arrogance, racism, adultery, stealing, fornication or homosexual activity, all of it flow from sinful desires and they are a parable of our exchange of the glory of God for a lie. And therefore, God in redemption sends His Son. In order to say, there's a future judgment coming. This judgment is but a taste. And I'm going to send my son. And I am going to pour out upon him the eternal judgment for that was directed upon every soul that I will save. And I will raise him from the dead victorious. And He will go away and send the Holy Spirit. But there's a day when He's going to return. And until then, this world and the subjugation of its judgment will go on as I am pulling out of it during this life, many through the Gospel of My Son. Now, you've got to get this. That is why saving faith What's the essence of sin? They they didn't want God in their knowledge. They exchanged the beauty and the deliciousness of the eternal God for this is what I really want. That's how we're all born. That's human nature since Adam. And therefore, unless that changed, people were on their way to perdition whether they confessed Jesus or not. What Paul says, conversion is God shining the light of the Gospel in your heart so you can now, like you couldn't before, see the glory of the only God in the face of Jesus Christ and you're overcome by it. That's why that faith, that happens to any degree, Not perfectly, but it's real by the Holy Spirit. That faith in Jesus produces repentance to flee from the practice of such activities that He laid out. How do we flee from them? But you've got to listen very carefully. By denying to fulfill and to live out those lingering desires for homosexuality. Or sinful heterosexuality. Or murder or strife or unforgiveness, etc. I feel like I want to say it three times because I've got a punchline here in a minute. Christianity, when you see the glory of God and you realize He made me alive and it's beautiful, it brings repentance, a turning from the way you act out to saying, I'm not going to live that way anymore. And it does it by denying, okay not denying that you have those sinful desires. Not denying that you don't have sinful sexual thoughts as a heterosexual. Not denying that many who will come to Jesus and have the attraction that they have sexually is for the same... Not denying that it's still there. But denying to live by and fulfill those lingering desires. Do you feel that yet? Here's my punchline. If you got that, this is why it is vicious for churches, church leaders, denominations, or anybody else in the name of Christianity to sanction and to approve such lifestyles. If that's Christianity, you flee, Timothy, from fornication. You flee from murder and slander and unforgiveness. Not that you don't have temptations and you feel desires to do those. You are fleeing if you've seen the light because now something's going on in you. Because that's Christianity, it is vicious for churches to approve and sanction murder and adultery or fornication or slander or unlawful divorce or to sanction same-sex activity no matter what the state calls it or not. A huge, eternal issue. The abuse of language like same-sex marriage, which you know why I always put so-called in front of it, God-defined marriage. That abuse of language is a desecration to the church, and to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Because marriage is a parable of Christ. The male. The man. The husband. The masculine. The protector. The leader. The Savior. And the church. The wife. The female. The bride. The submissive the adoring, the follower. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.15, The same is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I, Paul, am the foremost. And he writes in 1 Corinthians 6, Church, do you not know that the unrighteous, those who live unrepentant lifestyles of sin, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. Oh, those are sweet words. He says, You did practice such lifestyles. But not anymore. We who believe in Jesus Christ, you come to faith, you praise Him as you've seen the light of the Gospel, the glory of Christ. Get it, get it, get it. We are justified. We have been cleansed. We have been adopted by God. The Spirit of His Son has been poured out into our hearts, crying, Daddy, Abba, Father. And yet, our Father has not taken us out of the world of sinful brokenness that resides in us. Not yet. We still, as Paul refers to it, have the flesh. Don't mean merely physical body, but it includes the mortal body. We have the flesh that is at war with the Spirit who dwells within us. And therefore, you who have been washed, we still have strong heterosexual desires that scream sexual thoughts into our heads. Billboards. Commercials and legs walking down the street, we still battle desires of sinful anger and of unforgiveness and of fornication, and of laziness, and of unloving behavior, we still have temptations as genuine Christians to yearn for idols. And, a number, a number in the church, across the world today means in the thousands upon thousands of us believers still only have same-sex sexual desires. But we, Jesus' bride, have all been washed and justified and set apart to walk through this life empowered by God's grace. In order to experience all these various brokennesses within us, these condition and the differing conditions we find ourselves in as Children of God through Jesus now. They are becoming our merciful struggle to holiness. And ultimately, to a future inheritance that has been secured by Jesus our loving bridegroom. It's why Paul cries out, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Our Lord, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Paul goes on to say then, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Then we will spend some time then next week on the need within this church and every church's Christians, the need for patient loving compassion in coming alongside of men and women who have homosexual desires. In life experience, it says that sometimes you will find out that they are a parent, a child, a sibling, a friend, and fellow Christian church members. Christians are not to drive away the gay couple next door, but to befriend as far as it is upon you, like you would anybody else. And in friendship to use wisdom and to be clear with the Gospel. Christians in local churches are not to drive away same-sex attracted people from us or from Christ, but we give them the Gospel and Jesus saves many of them. And they need families. And they need love. And we are called therefore as local churches in this world to be clear with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ and to embrace same-sex attracted people within and into our bodies. All of those who come to faith in Jesus Christ and know that they are not to act out their brokenness of sinful sexual Desires. It's next week. Father, I pray that you do so much more and that you have been doing so much more than merely teaching Romans one and Bible truth over the issue of same-sex attraction and homosexuality but in all of our differing degrees of brokenness as Your children, that You have been convicting and comforting and encouraging and causing hope and refreshed by Your Spirit and Your Word to keep our eyes fixed on the second coming of You, Lord Jesus. would You work our brokennesses. Those conditions as a servant of holiness, as a battle for purity, as the fruit of justification in the work of Your Spirit as we walk by trusting in Your Word and Your desperate, desperate little children crying, up. Father to the glory of Jesus Christ Amen